Blog Talk Radio.
controls now. Welcome to Black Wall Street Chicago Speaks for Thursday, January 28, 2010, with your host, Mr. Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. This is Sonia Perdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network.com, and I will be Mr. Carter's co-host for this segment. Black Wall Street Chicago Speaks is on the air every Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, right here on CBBN on Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for sharing this opportunity to serve African-American businesses across the nation by calling in and being part of the solution. Our call-in number is 347-326-9477. Our call-in number is 347-326-9477. The chat room is open. Leave your company information and website links in the chat room. You may also set up an account with Blog Talk Radio or simply sign into the chat room as a guest. 
press the number one if you would like to speak to our guest or if you have a comment. You may also listen to us live at www.blogtalkradio.com slash CBBN. At the top of the show, you are listening to Common Ground, sung by Kosha. Common Ground is more than a song. It is a testimonial to young lives lost and pain that can never be healed. In May of 2007, Mr. and Mrs. Holt lost their only child, Blair, to a bullet on a Chicago Transit Authority bus here in Chicago. Four others were wounded that day. Michael Pace was sentenced to 100 years for that murder. Kevin Jones was sentenced to 10 years for his involvement in that tragic event that name. It's my understanding that was on the mind as kosher, of Kosher as she wrote this song and dedicated it to that family. Should no parent have to lose their child out there? From that one incident, look at all the families and lives that were affected. Just want to share a little history on how that song originated. We will not forget that there is much to be done. It is the reason why we are here, to get it done. You are also listening to a friend sung by CBBN member Sylvia Frederick. What we'd like for you to focus on as we expand our broadcast of Black Wall Street Chicago Speaks is on solutions. We hear about solutions. And we appreciate all the calls and hits to the show. Please pass our link on and be a part of what we're doing nationwide. We ask that you do three things when you call into the show. State the problem as you see it. Give us your suggestion for a resolution, and then tell us what you're going to do about it or how you're going to be part of the solution. That is the format that we would like to see this show follow. And you may not even have a complaint. You may have something absolutely wonderful to share with our listening audience. Our, our door is open for all positive input, and with that in mind, Let's go and welcome our host for the evening, Mr. Ron Carter. You're on the air. How are you this evening? Hey, Sonia. How are you this evening? I'm, I'm in rare form. I'm in rare, in form. rare form. Great meeting. Yes, we are. We had a board meeting today. Great meeting. We look forward oh, to yeah. the summit. Oh, and, yes. Uh, yes, and that uh, meeting that we had this morning really represents the, uh, the format of this show and that is to get to the uh, solution in the direction of where we are. With uh, Black Wall Street, our mission is to sustain and increase black businesses. And one of the top of the uh, items on the agenda for our summit, 11, on February 27th, is follow the money from A to Z. And to be able to uh, focus our whole agenda on many issues, but the bottom line is we're following the money to part and major part of the solutions within the black community. And we think and we feel and we are directing ourselves to do that in sustaining and increasing black businesses. Uh, so I, in doing so, I am introducing our guest uh this uh, evening, I would like to kind of just give a little brief on how Black Wall Street started. Even though it was um, in the, uh, the spirit of Black Wall Street or Tulsa, Oklahoma, we started with the uh, a celebration on for Malcolm X on Malcolm X's birthday, May 19th, um, 2007, and we focused not so much on the stereotypical 
view of Malcolm X, but the economics of Malcolm X. And that is one thing he stated was one day we may turn around and we're going to realize we should sustain and increase and to have black businesses in our community before it's too late. Um, even with that in mind, sometimes we think it is too late, but we start Black Wall Street with the motion of actually seeing black businesses grow and actually walking down the street and seeing that that's a black business, that's a black business, so the youth can see that there is some, another way, that there is examples for them to follow. But as we indicated to have a vision of black businesses in our community, we didn't have no um, understanding to the point of that there was another Black Wall Street. So we got online and seen this Black Wall Street, Oakland, California. And as um, I investigated and looked at the website, I uh, called the telephone number to Oakland. And surprisingly enough, another by the name of Michael Carter, uh, so happens to be the president and the chairman of Black Wall Street, Oakland, which is now Black Wall Street USA, and which uh, over the past two years, Black Wall Street Chicago has came under the banner using the template that Oakland started, um, which is to have a Black Wall Street in the app. So as uh, Michael Carter and I began to uh, talk, and even to the point that we started, or I started to get a little frustrated, uh, Michael Carter is also a minister, and so he put the spirit into what we are doing. came to a couple of our summits. He's also the uh, webmaster for the Oakland Post, which have been giving uh, Black Wall Street Chicago a lot of coverage based on what we have done and um, having the state of Illinois as a bill and a resolution uh, designating 75th Street in Chicago as an official Black Wall Street district, and also as the organization, as an official organization of the state of Illinois. As we brought that attention to uh, Michael Carter, uh, he began a different spirit that uh, Black Wall Street Chicago is, as we head into Black History Month, that we actually have been making history. But uh, with all of that said, how we became and our relationship to Oakland, Oakland, California, I'd like to introduce uh, my friend, my uh, comrade, and, and, and my chairman of the National Black Wall Street, Michael Carter. Are you Good ready? evening. Good How evening. How you doing, sir? Oh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm Wall Street blessed. Chicago speaks. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm, I, well, well, good evening to you and Sonia. Um, I'm good just, evening, I'm Mr. Carter. Good evening. Yeah, okay. I'm, uh, well, welcome to the show. I, I appreciate you being a, a, a part with us this evening. I want to um, bring the uh, audience overview of the whole um, concept of Black Wall Street. Um, starting from the beginning, can you um, tell us a little bit about who you are? Okay. Uh, well, um, 
Wow, that's a lot. But just in, in brief, uh, uh, you know, I was born in Texas, uh, educated in Arkansas, and I, I received inspiration uh, while in Little Rock from a, a man who uh, grandparents and great-grandparents lived in Tulsa uh, and in uh, Bowley, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And uh, he kept telling me about a place uh, that where black folks were self-sufficient economically, but his stress was the, the spirit of what made them uh, self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. And so I had to go. I, I had to go to Tulsa, <clears throat> okay. and and find out <laughs> what it was all about. And that was back in the early '90s. And so, uh, as a result uh, of being a student at Arkansas Baptist, I was fortunate enough. You know, Oklahoma was just one state over from Arkansas to go there seven times and meet with some people who were uh, uh, survivors or who were children at the time of the riot of Tulsa. Uh, my background is, is in theology. It's not uh, necessarily business, but um, the spirit is what inspired us to, to go forward and, and have black Wall Street districts all over the country. Okay. And we are proud of, of Chicago. Well, we appreciate that, that, that word of being proud. I think that, again, as I stated, as we do the work here in Chicago, and as the resolution was passed in the U.S. Senate, uh, we looked at it as being a, a process of Black Wall Street Chicago, but you uh, gave us a bigger view of what that meant and to the point that other uh, Black Wall Streets around the country are uh, elated of that um, accomplishment that we have had here. Tell me, what is the... Um, uh, What's the status of other Black Wall Streets in other parts of the uh, of the country here? And if I can say, in a couple of I believe a couple of weeks ago, uh, on um, on our radio program, that there was a um, it was a Black Wall Street in Charlotte, uh, Charlotte. Uh, I believe it was the Ojami Black Wall Street. Mm-hmm. So. Even though, uh, if I can get prior to my first question, is understanding how the term Black Wall Street is becoming more universal, and what is the separation or is there a separation as we talk about this Black Wall Street movement that's moving around the country now? Well, uh, first of all, let's just deal with the history behind the name Black Wall Street. Uh, that was coined, a phrase coined by uh, white folks there in Tulsa who looked at uh, the north uh, part of Tulsa, and um, they they said, well, these black people are doing quite well economically. We'll just call it Black Wall Street and uh, pun to the Wall Street there in New York. Uh, originally, it was called Negro Wall Street. What we've been mm-hmm. able to do on on level uh, is inspire other black business districts or areas where there are predominantly African American businesses to to that that spirit of the original Tulsa. Now, mm-hmm. 2010 marks the 100, 180th year since the inception of the spirit of Black Wall Street. It initially started in 1830. In Tulsa, so we're we're celebrating 180 years. So now you have Black Wall Street 
Atlanta, Georgia, this Lee Street where the colleges are and there's malls and black businesses there. We have Black Wall Street, Minneapolis, uh, Black Wall Street, Durham, Black Wall Street, Tulsa, which is revitalizing in the Greenwood area uh, mm -hmm. and, and trying to come back. And just recently, uh, as a result of your hard work, uh, I was in conversation with a young lady who wants to establish a Black Wall Street district in Peoria. Mm -hmm. And then last night I talked to a young lady who is really pretty much on the move to establish a Black Wall Street on Imperial Boulevard in San Diego, California. Oh, so we're, great, we're great, moving, great. Yes, we're moving at a pace uh, to have, you know, Black Wall Street districts all over the country. Right, well... Is the, uh, just going back a little bit regarding Black Wall Street of Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, you indicated that it was a, a spirit, but I'm um, questioning, was it a spirit or was it a, a set pattern that what happens when black people are separated from whites? Uh, is it more than uh, yeah. the other or the same? Or? Well, it, 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 it's, it's really most of the spirit. Uh, when you when you really look at the spirit, white folks is, are becoming relevant because what you have is, and, and I don't mean that in a racist sense, but you know, is is reality. When you have a community where the children grow up and they know that from elementary to high school to college, they automatically have it in had it in their mind back then that they would own a business when they graduated college. In other words, when they went off to college, they came back to Tulsa, and they ran their family business. That was, that was a, a given. And right, well, I guess that's a, right. That, I guess that goes back to what I was stating. On our original focus was the uh, vision for the youth and the community to see and, is, and how that may relate to the Indianapolis Boulevard in Oakland. Mm -hmm. Is that a reflection what the community see with the black district there? No, um, and and you know, in all honesty, every district is different at different stages. Out here, you have more of a, of a diverse Black Wall Street district. In other words, uh, the Hispanics, the Asians, uh, whites, uh, Native Americans—they pretty much get it that uh, they weren't able, they wouldn't be able to have economic success had black folks not shed tears. And blood and DNA building this nation so that when Hispanics go forth to protest and march on immigration issues, they know that they're doing that because our fathers made that exercise possible in this nation. That's how laws were changed and how uh, we moved. So in Oakland, we have more of a municipality support, whereas here in Oakland you have Chinatown that has a $15 billion a year revenue stream on 12 square blocks. Now, you imagine $15 billion goes through Chinatown, Oakland, every year, uh, and that means that Chinese are coming in from all points, northeast, west, and south, dropping their money in that 12-block area and leaving it there so that it can sustain itself. That's the science behind Black Wall Street, Oakland, is to get African Americans, the 300,000 or so, uh, that are in the Bay Area, uh, there may be 400,000 or so that are in the Bay Area to bring their money to the Black Wall Street area uh, to sustain the area. Now, real quickly, one of the things that the Merchant Group does 
is make sure that whatever tax dollars, no matter what your race is or your background, that, is, that are paid into the system from the area of which you operate your business, our, goal, our, our role is to make sure that, that tax money goes back into public works, into safety, into health, into employment, into the enterprise well, zone. Chicago, right. We're here in Chicago. They call that concept the uh, a TIF zone, which is the tax uh, incremental financing in right. which the uh, businesses upon uh, partial taxes is to be designated directly to that area. However, right. here in Chicago, there is always that issue of accountability of that tax base going back into the uh, area in which it came. Uh, right. Are you all being successful with that um, with that concept well, yeah. of taxation? Well, well we, 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 in a sense we are because now the area that, uh, if, if the listeners can imagine a rectangle, that's basically what uh, Black Wall Street is, and Black Wall Street, Oakland, runs smack dab down the middle of this rectangle where the majority of the black folk in Oakland live. So you've got about mm -hmm. 200,000 black people in a, you know, 100 and, or 150 square block area, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, that area has been neglected by even the black city council people. They, they decide to do development on the outside of the rectangle, and, and, and it has failed. For example, the Toyota dealership, major Toyota dealership, city councilman, mm -hmm. Uh, worked hard on that, that deal. Instead of bringing that dealership to the hood, as, as, as I say, um, he took it to the area where he felt that there would be more economic success. Well, it never opened. The building is still standing there. So that's a testament to the failure of those who are supposed to have our best interest at heart. So, no, it is not perfect, but it works because uh, we, keep, we hold the, the, the politicians and whoever in leadership position feet to the fire. Well, here in Chicago, there is a a group. There's a it's, it's a northeastern area or a county area of Illinois, which Chicago is the center of it, and they have um, they're in the makings of presenting the the 2040 plan of what Chicago area will look like this year. And mm -hmm. we have been in negotiations with the Chicago Metropolitan Planning and the fair representation and parity to that community. Now, that is somewhat symbolic on paper. Based on we have not actually seen the dollar amounts that are being projected mm -hmm. between now and 2040. Right. Do you all have a vision of what Oakland representation of black businesses can be uh, if it's not um, 2040, 2030, or 2020? Is there any projections that the uh, that is being worked on as far well, as one the, of the increase of black businesses? One of the one of the programs we have is what they call the New Business Project. Each year we uh, send out mailers. We have workshops and uh, uh, symposiums on individuals who uh, would consider establishing a black business in, in the Black Wall Street district area or anywhere for that matter, but mainly Black mm -hmm. Wall Street, and it has been successful. We've had people okay, in fact. Do you have projected numbers of what you anticipate you will have by a certain date and time? Uh, well, yeah, and, and, and part of that is, is 300 uh, new black businesses in that corridor uh, within five years. And those businesses can range from anything from uh, home-based businesses to retail to 
manufacturing or, or, or to whatever, and that's a part of the new business project. Uh, in addition to that is hiring uh, 2,000 of a youth within the zip codes of Black, uh, of Black Wall Street within that same five-year period. And also mm-hmm. increase the level of, of, of tax dollars coming back into that area. Part of the problem we have out here, Ron, is the fact that uh, businesses will pay tax money into uh, uh, the system, but the money ends up in Montclair or Piedmont or Claremont or any of the other areas of the city, and Black Wall Street has been neglected. So our five, we have a five-year plan. We update it every uh, five years or so uh, to match the economics and also match the, the shrinking enterprise zone uh, here in Oakland. Well, I don't know. I, I believe we are up for a uh, break. Is that correct, Sonia? That will be fine. We'll go to a break. You're listening to Black Wall Street Chicago Speaks, and we'll be right back. And I would want to, uh, on the other end, I want to talk about the uh, the national summit that's being proposed for Chicago for the Black uh, Wall Street USA. Uh, we'll look for you on the other end of our break. Thank you. That'll be great. We're listening to Black Wall Street Chicago Speaks with host Ron Carter. Our guest is Michael Carter, president of uh, National Black Wall Street. We'll be right back. It's a people problem. That's you people. and me. It's so easy to But we could solve this confusion if we tried instead of shooting. Plus, there's no excuse when we have mouths that could use them for apologizing and acknowledging fault instead of falsely accusing, making threats, shouting, and verbally abusing. You see, we could blame race because it's easy and it's legal, but the one common denominator, people, is people. It's a people problem. Oh, 
what do you feel we can actually accomplish by doing that, taking in, 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 I guess, in view the direction of President Barack Obama? Well, I, I think that uh, what he is suggesting and what we are doing uh, far surpasses what even he's probably even capable of doing as, as the leader of the free world. And the reason I say that is because you, you can't approach this economically. This has to be a spiritual uh, journey. And, and, and every district, and every organization that, 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 is that is taught, huh? Yeah, do you think that spirit um, will be a part of the agenda of Barack Obama, or are you saying that just based on the people associated with Black Wall Street? No, it, it, it would have to be uh, in those individual communities. Uh, I mean, if he used the model of Tulsa in, a, in going forward, he would be successful. But you must understand, Barack Obama is not his own man anymore. As much as we love him, he still has to answer to the powers that be. Huh? Why would you say something like that, that he's not his own man? Well, he's, he's a politician. Okay. And and the, the 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 original Black Wall Street did not come about because of politicians. It, it came about because of sharecroppers and people who worked okay. in the coal mines and you know in the oil fields and entrepreneurs. And so, if, if the model that our, our forefathers put forth 180 years ago, if that is used, if that is applied, then it will be successful because what they took into account initially was, you know, how do we sustain ourselves? We have all these African Americans coming up from all points south to Tulsa. So how do we sustain ourselves in this 30, 40 square block area, uh, black African Americans from different backgrounds, you know, for the most part different traditions, and it was successful. And that's what we have in America today. We have people from all different backgrounds, but they made it work. And so if he used the principle, the very tenets of what our fathers used, it will be successful. And well, so but, but what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying here, though, is uh, the work is being done now through Black Wall Street Oakland, uh, Black Wall Street Atlanta, Chicago, and so on. These are the models that must be used in order to make these initiatives successful. And so first you, thing you must do... Whole, uh, yeah, well, what do you expect to, uh, to happen having the National Summit held? Say that again? What do you expect to happen, the end result, or what direction uh, would a National Summit uh, have? Well, I think what will happen is, one, it will inspire, it'll inspire more, more communities to come on board. Uh, I'm at the office, so you guys have to excuse me. Uh, it'll in, in, encourage more communities to come on board. For example, when mm -hmm. we first started this, about two or three years after we started it, we started getting calls just like you called us. We started getting calls all over the country. But a lot of people didn't want to do the work. They didn't want to put in the, the time and the energy that it takes to carve out a strategy that will last well beyond our years. And so having a national summit uh, there in the Midwest will allow them to actually see a model, to be able to see Chicago, 
75th, East 75th Street, and the other black, new black Wall Street district. I'm sure you're going to talk about that uh, in action, in, 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 you know, moving forward. So, I mean, it, it, it will lend to America uh, the awakening of what has already been accomplished. Now, we've got to remember something now, and I want the audience to really hear this. Our fathers in Tulsa created an economic uh, state of sufficiency without the technology that we enjoy today, without the political clout, without the, you know, the, you know, the, the, the high echelon of society, the land-grant education, the colleges, the affirmative action. They, in other words, I tell people as a 39-year-old man, listen here, I didn't, well, I didn't take advantage. Huh? Yeah, well, that is something that's been spoken about even when it comes to Chicago, which a community that was called Brosville, and even in Harlem, New York, where the the policy number was the economic engine, even to the point now that's called the state lottery. What happened between that time, if you can quickly, uh, that blacks are not in that same position? And then after you do that, Sonia, let's uh, go to our caller. Uh, uh, Mr. Carter, go ahead. Yes. And, uh, by the way, no relationship, but we did investigate if we were or not. <laughs> go ahead, Dr. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. So what happened that it did uh, that is not as it was then regarding black businesses? Was it uh, the stereotypical term of blacks are lazy, or is it because of racism? You asking me or something? I'm asking you. Uh, well, well, no. I- there was a there was a need for for African Americans to to create self sufficient. I mean, again, this was a segregated area in Tulsa. Today, people say, "Well, we don't need a Black Wall Street because we integrated, and you know there are more opportunities." Which there, you know, come on, let's deal with reality. There there are no more opportunities today than there were then, if you have the the same proportion of black men in prison and even more black women in prison. There are three million black men and women in prison. Mm-hmm. And so, so that, 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 that is what but is um, what I'm getting at is what happened that we turned our is is that integration that turned our focus away from self-sustaining and only absolutely yeah yes let me tell you brother listen let me affirmative action for me was my grandparents that was my affirmative action program whatever opportunities I got that was it so black folk got set aside contracts with the municipality, state, the counties, and they moved out of the hood and let sick folks spiritually, physically, and mentally and everything you can imagine in the hood. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to be successful, that's fine. But remember that the quoted contracts or quoted education and the set aside contracts and affirmative action caused African Americans to just sort of get relaxed and didn't realize the long-term effects of not creating well, why, how industry. Come that didn't happen, how come that did not happen with other nationalities, when other nationalities are very well established as far as the businesses and parity to the communities in which they live? Because they know that when they come to America, America is not going to give them nothing. They know this coming in. It's not a it's, well, and, and the backgrounds are di- the background the backgrounds are different in in a sense because you know you got your in, uh, Indian the Patel family they own motels all over America. Well, they found their niche. 
and they've created businesses, supply companies and tapestry and all these things around motels and hotels because they know that when they come here that America's not good. Chinese, for example, the Exclusionary Act of 1866, they told Chinese folks, look, you can make all the money you want, but you better not go around buying up all the property. Because Quick, quickly, a couple of questions I do want to get to our guests is that the even to the point the uh, the Mid Eastern people have been able to uh, establish a business growth, um, uh, get starting off in the black community and then going to others to the point that many communities they are about ninety percent of the population. But prior to the Mid-Easterns, it was the uh, Koreans that dominated the business yeah. in the black community. And prior to that, uh, it was the Jewish people. Uh, right. Now, but that is a reflection not just only in New York, Manhattan, Chicago, Oakland. That is mm-hmm. a pattern throughout the, uh, the United States, even in Atlanta. How can that have happened on a national basis to a one group of people where other group of people have actually flourished in the economics of their community? Well, uh, again, you, you have to take into account how we arrived where we are. These folks didn't suffer in this nation. This is what, was not their land of tyranny, if you will. This land was the land of tyranny for our fathers. So, Anytime you're in a land of tyranny and an opportunity is given to you like affirmative action, you're going to run with it. See, mm-hmm. Koreans, Jews, uh, 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 Arab brothers, they didn't need affirmative action. In fact, it would not have benefited, benefited them in any way. Although it has, they knew coming to this country, if we do not create an economic a stream of self-sufficiency for ourselves. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. African-Americans got affirmative action set aside, which made us complacent and lazy. Now, I'm going to tell you, Ron, the leadership, lazy? Lazy? The, leadership of, <laughs> the leadership of African-Americans, and I love my black folk, but the leadership of African-Americans, especially those in the spiritual world, dropped the ball. Because they're hollering Jesus, Jesus, Jesus when they're not carrying out the principles of Christ. So a lot of our leaders have dropped the ball and have allowed our young people to grow up thinking, oh, all I need to do is get a scholarship to a university or a set-aside contract, and I'm set. They didn't well, have in mind. They didn't right. have in mind building manufacturing plants, building industry, building things to sustain us Long before we're gone. See, my philosophy is this. My life is not about me. It's about folk who once lived and people who meet. Now, once we get into that frame of mind, then we will have the industry. But we got too many people running around and want to be the next Martin Luther King, and they're missing it. That's why you have what you have. Okay, well, I guess that's pretty strong words to be kind of critical of the churches and noting that you are a minister yourself. Uh, Sonia, let's go on to our guest. I, I love it. I love it. You're listening okay. to Black Wall Street Chicago Speaks with the host, Mr. Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago, with his guest, Mr. Michael Carter, president of Black Wall Street USA. We're going to go to the telephone lines, and then we're going to go to a break because 
these two Carters got a lot to say. And Michael, you know, uh, Ron is in interview, interview mode, so he's going oh, uh, to have to tell me. Caller from the 773 area, call 4487. Welcome to the show. You're on the line with Ron Carter and Michael Carter, Black Wall Street. How can we help you this evening? Uh, how you doing today? I like okay. to ask both of Hey, how you doing, brother? Hey, I agree with uh, with uh, Michael Carter about uh, his assessment of uh, the black menaces dropping the ball. But what I'm calling to find out from the, both the gentlemen is that where does – I know that uh, the Rainbow Push, they also have a Wall Street project, and I know they had a, um, a summit, a project, economic summit, the 5th, 13th and the 15th in New York. Did any of you gentlemen attend that, or, or how did that uh, how did that work well, out? Have, or what does he fit into that? Where are you calling from, Colin? Chicago. Oh, okay. Uh, personally, and, uh, I – go ahead, sir. That's the first question, then I'll let you guys talk about it. Did anyone send that summit? And second, it seems like this uh, this Perwinkle, she then took the lead in the Cook County Board uh, runoff uh, – it looks like she may even take Dorothy Brown out. Uh, if that is no, the no. case, if, if that is if that is the if that is the case, Perwinkle I know is against uh, the uh, she's an opponent to that Wall Street initiative of them businesses up and down 75th Street. So if you consider the plan, no, if she should sure. win, well, that's the uh, the 75th Wait a minute, hold on, hold on, hold on. Right and my third, and, my, and I'm gonna let you go. And my third one is in the original Wall Street. They destroyed that, well, I believe, with bombs through the air or something like that. So are you guys giving any consideration to security? I mean, what is to prevent? I mean, if the same people destroyed it that you are now facing as you try to rebuild it, what are you going to do to protect it as far as security goes to prevent what happened? Because they're still jealous. The same reason they destroyed it the first time without a jealousy. So are you going to have any type of security in mind to prevent them from, you know, saying destroying what you're working for now. And that was okay. the, the third one. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, Mr. Carter, would you uh, like to address this first point regarding uh, Rainbow Push uh, Wall Street project? Uh, I, I think in, in, initially uh, it was uh, um, a, a good idea. Uh, at the time, uh, we must remember when this was started during a Republican reign when uh, I believe Bush Sr. was in office and, and Reverend Jackson's attempt to uh, connect uh, uh, Wall Street in, in New York with the, you know, Main Street or, you know, Main Street right. USA was a good good attempt. But I, I don't think that, uh, uh, I don't think it's really dealing with, in my opinion, dealing with, the, the, the nuts and bolts of what's going on in the hood. Um, so, I, I, you know, I really don't too much have nothing to say on that. Now, that last question he had, I got a whole lot to say about that. I want to go to that, Michael. I just want to get with his first point, and I just want to okay. make a comment on that, is that upon us having Black Wall Street in Chicago, there it means many things to a lot of people. A lot of people did indicate that, uh, it is a more like a template of Wall Street in New York, even though we had to give the history lesson that it's not. The mm -hmm. conception that it still is a offshoot of uh, Wall Street of New York. As we address that here in uh, Chicago, 
and even when it comes to uh, Rainbow Push. I have not attended it uh, in the past few years. My understanding is that Rainbow Push uh, Wall Street project was to invest in the financial market of Wall Street, in the stocks and the bonds. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that um, we live in capitalism, and if the uh, corporations have money, Best to get a return on your dollar. However, I know, but what I'm asking, I'm going to ask you this: they, they had the summit in New York, the 13th and the 15th of this month, in 2010. Okay. They just had the summit, and I'm trying to find out. At this summit, they, you know, they did talk. I, I suppose they talked about a commitment to minority business growth opportunities and and uh, the economic summit agenda. But being that you're in Chicago and Operation pushes right down the street from you. I mean, can you actually pull this off without, you know what I'm saying, or can the national, I mean, if, if Michael is on the national level, is it possible, how can you guys, you know, it seems well, like you guys are working independent, like, you know, independently we are, offices. But correctly. We are working. Uh, I have to tell you that upon Black Wall Street started in Chicago uh, almost two and a half years ago, there was many resistance. Uh we have had Rainbow Push at our uh, summit. Uh, we haven't had them on a panel, but they have been represented. They are aware of Black Wall Street Chicago. Uh, but it's not just that distance between Rainbow Push and Black Wall Street. We had a hard time convincing elected officials in the beginning about Black Wall Street. There is a gap of communications between us. We are aware of each other, uh, but there has not been a working format. When we formed the Black Wall Street Chicago, initially it was for the purpose of a summit, and then the name came later, and that means to try to get an assessment from the black leadership, such as Rainbow Push, the Cosmopolitan Chamber of Commerce, uh, the Nation of um, Islam, uh, and a host of many business organizations here in Chicago. So we became as a catalyst of a report in accountability, and we have not received that uh, report in accountability from those entities. But I can uh, acknowledge well, this you guys, in your comment that well, we well, you should guys not and we will. That off, right? I mean, you guys, not, you Michael and uh, Ron. I mean, you guys are not gonna, you know. Uh, you know, blow that off because it's no way. I mean, is there any way you guys can? How do you mean blow it off? Well, I mean, without having lobbyists. I mean, if they're not giving you the feedback or the the concern or the interest that you would need to proceed beyond the point of you know, what I'm saying individualism in each one of y'all categories, I would think you guys would need lobbyists. You know, somebody that goes out there uh, and lobbies. Right. I'm here. I'm here with you saying, brother. But let, let me let me just lay it down like this. I don't care about lobbyists, I don't care about politicians, I don't care about who's in power. What I care about is creating something for that little black girl on East 75th Street in the Chatham area of Chicago to walk from one end of 75th, East 75th Street to the other, and in her entire lifetime, she'll get between those two points, between the bad line and the lake, everything she would need in life, everything. Now, if Jesse Jackson... Mr. Farrakhan or any other leaders want to join us in creating an environment where children can grow up and get every single thing they need in the community that they grow up in, 
I could care less about a lobby. Because you must understand something. Tulsa was not created by going after politicians. See, I in Oklahoma, they had black, listen, they had black governors. They had black I elected officials. I understand you know, that, but in, black Wall Street, but in Black Wall Street, the businessmen who, who ran that had their, you know, they had airplanes. They had, these are businessmen who had the workings, who had the workings of, you know, had they had politicians on their side, maybe they could have stopped the, the, the explosion. It was politicians who helped destroy Black Wall Street. Well, what I'm hearing from you, uh, Carl, is you're stating what can we do, uh, as you talked about security, to prevent that. I can take uh, uh, interest in your, in your comment based on, as we talked about, uh, 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 Bronzeville in Chicago, where Bronzeville actually had an economy uh, similar to Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma, based on the, uh, the policy numbers. And with that, uh, when, the, uh, when the state of Illinois came in and uh, um, what did they do? They busted up uh, the policy number, and I believe in about 1960. And then in 1974 or so, they came back with the Illinois State Lottery, and from that date on, the self-sustaining of the economy of the black community went down. So I look at that as not so much of a, a physical security, but more of an uh, economic insecurity that we should prepare for. Uh, you I'm need physical. You need physical good. security. You need. You need physical security. You already have opponents. Well, I understand. I mean, you have opponents to, right. to to that to your initiative right now. That's going to be you know what I'm saying working against because if everybody's doing their own thing and you got three blacks, three independent. You got Michael Carter. You got Ron Carter. You got uh, okay. Operation Push. You got these different other Wall Streets going on in different spots and areas and things like that. Without some type of cohesive organization, I mean you. Well, that's the difference we had to go into the, the city hall, bypass the city councilman. Listen to me closely. I we worked directly. We worked directly. Listen with staff of the city of Oakland. We told right. them we want at least six thousand dollars a year to go towards helping us print stuff or to pay young people to do whatever in the Black Wall Street district. Now they were resistant to that, but see, I took on the spirit that I don't need your permission. I'm coming in here telling you what's what. Now, I may not get what I want, but, yes, brother, you're right. We have to work with others. We have to build collaboratives. So here's what we did. We worked with ShopOakland.com. For the first time in the history of this city, a black business district has been recognized by the powers that be. Now, whether or not they agree with it, its actual establishment or not, it doesn't matter. Because when you, go to shop, when you go to shopoakland.com, what you're going to see is Black Wall Street District International Boulevard. Well, that didn't happen because, you know, we lobbied. It happened because the, the merchants on International said, well, if you can put billions of dollars in Montclair District, billions of dollars in College, billions of dollars in Rockridge, 
Give me a few hundred dollars. That's what we did. We did that on the county level. We did that on the county level. We did that on the state level. Not only that, but we had to enlist folk who, especially individuals who had a whole lot more knowledge than I do, because I don't know nothing. I'm going to tell the world, I know nothing. So what I had to do was get people who were seniors, who have been around, tell me the best way to go about this. These are individuals who did not agree with Michael Carter. These are individuals who knew more about Tulsa, Oklahoma than I did. So I agree with you. But when it comes to the personalities and the organizations and uh, uh, the Urban League and the NAACP and all the rest of these groups, that's not where you go first. The first place I went, brother, was up and down International Boulevard. I talked to every single merchant, and I told them, this is what we're going to do. I didn't ask their permission. I made it a part of Left Arkansas Baptist College, the Buffaloes, and I came back home to Oakland and said, I'm going to do here in Oakland what they did in Tulsa. Because most young people my age and my generation, they say we're the me generation. They don't want to come back to the hood and work. I made it a point. I lived on International, on Black Wall Street. Why? Because I saw the potential. But, yes, we right. have to build alliances. We have to right. build those I'm partnerships. Saying, but I'm saying if you, uh, if you build yourself on the national level, then that means that your jurisdiction would extend beyond Oakland, which means you'd have to come in Chicago and slap them around. You'd have national means you'd have to go in different places where they have the uh, Wall Street initiative where they don't have the tenacity and the courage to go in there and slap them around and get them in order. But if you're on the national level, then you're bigger than just Oakland. That means then you have to take your strategy and your tenaciousness to other aspects. And I'm saying so now uh, you and You definitely have did that. Right. I mean, that is what uh, Michael Carter, based on your analysis, is exactly what he did in inspiring us here in Chicago. So the spirit and the direction no, 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 I'm and the counseling. I'm not talking inspiring. I'm talking about what the he said. He and said the he went down there and slapped him. He, he went out and got him. I'm saying in Chicago. Well, I'm yeah, well, we Chicago, had to do the same thing wait here, too. Wait a minute. But I'm saying in Chicago. You're not going to get any killed in Chicago. <laughs> I'm saying in Chicago, though. It's I mean, the punks here? Are you calling us a bunch of punks or something? No, no. I'm saying in Chicago. That's what you're saying. I'm saying in Chicago. All right. You have to have. You have to have pretty much close to the persona that Michael had in order to get you know that done. The soft shoe dance that you do in Chicago is not going to work. What he did was he, like he said, he went down there and he and he said, "Hey man, this is how it's going down." But see, in Chicago, you got a different flavor. In Chicago, you have opponents. I mean, you have opponents with. with well, uh, wait a minute now. Hold on, brother. Hold on now. Wait a minute now. now you jumping the horse. Now, I hear what you're saying, but now we got opponents out here still. We got a city, two black city council people that represent the Black Wall Street district. If I got a dime from either one of them in the last 11 years since we've been in existence, you got a dime. So we got our opponents. Here's, here's no, my point to you. Listen, listen, listen. Each each municipality. Each municipality. Ron does not come off with your persona that could do what they pulled off. And that's yeah, okay, why but you look, had on the national level. Excuse me, Michael. Michael, Michael uh, you too. There's a host here. There's a host. There's a host. Okay, there's a host. And this is, with, with you having a host, uh, Michael, can you uh, comment? I'll make a comment, and then we can uh, move okay. on to the next uh, point. Okay. okay now, uh, here's the deal real quick. Um, each municipality is different. The makeup, the composition, 
In Chicago, you have a deep, entrenched African-American presence. That's not the case in Oakland, California. What you have out here are white, benevolent folk, aloof black people. Black people come out here from other parts of the country, and they think they're in paradise. Therefore, they think they don't have to work hard. That's one of the challenges out here. You know, in, 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 in California. California. Oh, California. No, in California. Right here. Because right here you got no, the Arabs, you got the Koreans, you got the Chinese players. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. What, I'm saying, to you, what I'm saying to you is the composition of every black Wall Street district that we, that's under our umbrella as a national organization, every last one of them have different challenges, but all aspire to the same goal. So what you have in Chicago, what Ron Carter has done in Chicago and his group, is they started holding summits to get an idea of how you go forward, move forward. Before they even contacted us, they were, listen, they were all, listen, 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 get the food, brother. What I'm saying to you is they went about it a different way. See, California, I don't know if you, I don't know if you from, I don't know if you familiar with. Okay, well, then, well, well if I can, uh, let me, uh, so we can move on to the next one. Uh, we can say, uh, have you been to any of the summits of Black Wall Street, uh, caller? Uh, well, you know, I missed the last one. I know you got one okay, coming on you, the you, I, Right, I, I missed so that one. Been, been, so you have not been to a summit before? No, but I live in okay, Chicago. Well, we, right, well, we're going to welcome you to two things. On Fourth and Aberdeen. I mean, right, uh, Everhart. <laughs> yeah, well, let me let me introduce you that uh, every Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m., we have our planning meeting, and I think uh, you're okay. invited to attend that planning meeting so that you can see exactly what the uh, committee is doing and how we're actually structured in our internal workings. And then for you and the rest of the callers, that the, uh, the results of our planning meetings will be at the summit on February the 27th. Say I'm going I'm gonna, to okay. I'm gonna go, so, but Mike, I just want to say, I'm going to hang up, but Mike, I just tell you, Mike, all yes. said and done, man, I like the fact that you just went down there and told him what's, how it's going to go down and it's going to play out like that, and I just think that you ought to give my man some of that strategy and tenacity to forget all this talking and meeting and go Whoa. down there and slap the crowd, but good. <laughs> I appreciate those words. Matter of fact, we had a caller like that when I was first night, and uh, they made, uh, wow, I, it was very inspiring to be uh, uh, being critical like that. I mean, ooh, I really feel good. Uh, but with that, with that, I think meant regarding uh Alderman Tony Prankwickle uh, being the head uh, in the lead of the county race that we have on uh, next Tuesday, uh, February the 2nd. In addition, he indicated that uh, Tony Prankwickle was anti-history. Uh, that's not the case. Tony Ron, are you still there because you're breaking up? Is Ron breaking up, huh? Can you yeah, hear me? Ron is breaking up. We're going to go oh. to a break. You're listening to Black Wall Street Chicago Speaks with the host Ron Carter and Michael Carter, president of Black Wall Street National. We'll be right back. A successful special event can be very challenging and stressful at times. Our staff of professionals organizes your event down to every last detail, no matter what size your special event may be. 
our creativity and attention to detail turns your ordinary party into an extraordinary event. At Andy Clyde's, world-class service for our clients is standard. We can provide travel arrangements, accommodations, event sites, caterers, florists, photographers, transportation, hairstylists, and makeup artists, favors, daily plans for guests, and pre-event information such as detailed maps, save the date cards, and invitations. Being a custom event planner means that we cater to you. We are not locked in by guidelines passed down by corporate. It is our job to find the best possible way to present your event. We have been referred to as dream weavers because we listen to what you want and get it done. Our specialties are the vacation packages. Visit our website at www.andyclides.net to see examples of what sets our services above others. And remember, at Andy Clyde's, we are your
Black Wall Street Chicago Speaks with Mr. Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago, and I'm Sonia Perdue. His guest this evening is Michael Carter, President, Black Wall Street USA. You just heard from one of our supporters, Andy Clyde.net, down there in Atlanta, Georgia, and a member of Chicago's BlackBusinessNetwork.com. Call Andy Clyde for all of your event needs nationwide. Also, for all you Chicago steppers, that was I Put the Woo in Woman by Carolyn Walden. We want to thank Curtis Davis, a CBBN member, for giving us permission to share that song with you. A couple of things I want to cover before we go back to our host and our guest. Uh, that was a good round, and we want, we want to see a lot of that. I can feel that energy. I can feel that energy coming. We want to, thank, we want to send out a thank you to Illinois State Representative LaShawn K. Ford for joining us on our show last week. He so graciously invited Ron over to his show on WVON, which airs on Sundays at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. Hope some of you caught that. The show is the voice of the people, which keeps much of this needed dialogue on the minds of the people. So uh, we want to invite you to stay tuned to WVON this Sunday with LaShawn K. Ford. Tell him you heard it. You tell, tell him you heard about it on Black Wall Street Chicago Speaks. 
We also have a special offer from South Street Journal to all of our listeners. And if you place an ad with South Street Journal between now and February 27th, which is the date of the Black Wall Street Chicago Summit 11, you will receive 10 MP3 ad announcements on an upcoming segment of Black Wall Street Chicago. Once again, place an ad with South Street Journal between now and February 27th, and you will receive 10 MP3 ad announcements on this show. That permits full coverage for your product or service in both the print media and to our Internet audience. And, and what could be better than that? Contact South Street Journal at 312-624-8351. That's 312-624-8351. After you place your ad with South Street with South Street Journal, contact me, Sonia Purdue at 312-239-8835, and we'll show you how to upload your ads. I also put that information in the chat room. Our caller number is 347-326-9477. I just want to make one comment about what uh, I'm going to bring our guests and our host back. just want to make one comment about what the caller was saying regarding the agenda for uh Operation Push and okay, guys, I've got you back on the air now. The agenda for Operation Push and uh, Black Wall Street Chicago. There are two different agendas, and I'm getting some feedback from one of you. Yeah. And I think that was Ron Carter. And uh, check your background noise. I think the agenda for Operation Push, he needs to understand, is different from your agenda. That's what I was getting from you. I'm giving him a little time to check the background noise. Because I can understand Operation Push trying to be a part of Wall Street, New York. And you can be a part of that initiative if you've got money to invest in corporate America. But we have all the issues that we have that we need to be addressing within ourselves, our home, our community, our neighborhood, right here in our own cities before we can address and invest in corporate America. And I think he needs to understand the difference. You're not trying to do one thing and they're doing something else. You're doing two different things. You have two separate goals. The, goal, the final goal is the success. And those who have that type of money to invest in uh, stock market in the option market, they should do so and have the ability to do so. They should do so. But the agendas that these two men are talking about are grassroots agendas that has not been done. The job still has not been done. And I'm gonna say I'm a mirror what Michael said because some people don't want to do the work. They start the work, they start the job, they talk about it, but it takes a lot to actually do. The work. I'm going to bring you guys back on the air now. You're listening to Black Wall Street Chicago Speaks, and I know you all are enjoying this. I'm going to let you go, I'm going to let you go for it again. There's no callers on the line, so I'm going to give it back to you guys. Thank you. Uh, and well said based on the, uh, the direction of both. Uh, with that in mind, uh, Michael. Yes. Okay. We have some background noise yeah. there. Yeah, I'm, okay? I'm still downtown. Yeah, I'm okay. Go ahead. Okay. Well, with the uh, the nature of the two, um, uh, as the earlier caller uh, pointed out, what do you see nationally as uh, there is the 
Black Wall Street USA. There's the Black National uh, National Black Business Network. Is there a, a a sense of a spirit getting back to economic development uh, nationally? Mm-hmm. And with that in mind, is there necessary? Does it, does it necessarily have to be a cohesive between um, uh, entities uh, of the black community regarding black economics? Uh, no, there, there 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 is not. There should be. Uh, and, and again, to, to deal with that brother's uh, issue with the, the uh, Wall Street project, uh, uh, you know, this is that's dealing with corporations who did the black community wrong, first of all. And so we must tap into our God-given resources to create for ourselves what God has given us to create for ourselves. So, and, and if that don't make sense for folk, let me just right. break it down with Real quick, the first thing we must do is recognize the resources that we have amongst ourselves as people. There is not one Wall Street company that will be able to do any PowerPoint presentation to show black folk, look, you got the resources to do this for yourself. As long as we're treated as consumers, that will not happen. So there's not to knock Reverend Jackson and his illustrious career and what he's been able to accomplish, but it says this, that we have gone this long, 80 some odd years, ignoring Black Wall Street Tulsa and what they were able to do with what we have with, with, without what we have now. So, yes, there should be a cohesiveness among the organization. But I'm not interested in that. Projection, is there a projection as far as that cohesive of at least economic agenda or taking consideration of the, the grassroots movement and on economics and compare it to You, you, Ron? Memories of the world. I missed that part. You, you went out. Is there oh. any cohesive joint to get food economics and the open of the world um, in their economic is uh, community based based on capital to be well, economic based? Uh, yeah, but but again, it, it it starts at the grassroots level. That cohesiveness starts there. See, and I was like most organizations. I was going out chasing these people, corporations, wanting to sponsor politicians, church leaders. But when we got about five or six years into this, what I started to discover and what I shared with you was that the politicians, the, the leaders, and the people who, you know, the powers that be, if you will, the black leadership class, these individuals began to come after us. They began to contact us. And so that, that changed it on a national. Yeah, how do you look at that on a national perspective, taking consideration uh, when the Million Man March was held and it uh, generated uh, a million-plus men and it right. generated maybe uh, 2 or $3 from each individual minimum that it received? Is there... Or could there be a national uh, movement as it was during the 60s all the way up to the last prospective movement of the Million Man March on the economic base that that did present, even if it presented it for Washington, D.C., based on the, the, the travel and the expenses 
and right, the right. money that those people spent. What can actually happen on a national perspective? And if it can, uh, do you perceive a projection of when that actually would happen? Well, here's what I here's my my projection. I project by within the next ten years there will be a total of fifty black Wall Street districts and cities all over this country. And in with each in each one of those, you have your own different personalities, which in itself will create the cohesiveness first in that community, and secondly in uh, what you would call what you would call the outlining communities or businesses that may not be in the actual Black Wall Street district like it's happening here in Oakland. So I see that. That's my vision. I see that down the road. Now, here's what's going to have to, have to happen. First thing that's going to have to happen, people are going to have to just deal with reality. A lot of what we've done, especially uh, in the black leadership class over the past, let's say, 25 years, has not worked in the sense that there's uh, no sustainability economically. Uh, we're losing spirituality. We're losing our family structure. We're losing so many different things. But on the positive side of that is you have a generation of young people who are not no, no longer accepting the, you know, the run-of-the-mill the, the run excuses. They're like, okay, you had the civil rights movement, so then why are we still suffering or why are we suffering? And so this generation, thank God, Generation Next, will be the generation that really propels Black Wall Street. In other words, so what, age in the are you referring to, what age are you referring to when you say Generation X? I would say anybody under 25 years old who has not been stained by the foolishness and the, the backstabbing and the pitfalls of our but black leadership. That, but is it, huh? but um, based on here in Chicago, the if we look at the economic potential based on education, uh, the black youth in Chicago is averaging maybe one to two percent per school over the uh, average grade point average. So if that generation that you're speaking of up to uh, 25 is the the future, the education level doesn't indicate that. Well, see, and that, again, because, now look at the history of Tulsa now. The educational level of the average business owner in Tulsa when it was at its height was about fifth grade, sixth grade. These weren't, mm. you know, college people. So initially, 1830 to about 1860, you had people who were sharecroppers and, you know, blue-collar, hardworking people who then came together to create and raise the bar in that community. So they did it without the education. See, you can be educated but have absolutely no common sense. And so what we have here is a generation of young people who've been told since their inception, since they got here, look, we did all this fighting for you, killed Jim Crow, his son and his grandson, and now you have all the freedoms, all the, you know, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to be, you can be. But if as long as there's something in their way preventing them from being that, they're going to have a question and they're going to fight. They're not going to accept the run-of-the-mill excuses from, from our leadership. They're going to say, no, this isn't working. Well, so, what signs of an organization or a group that will prove that you're correct? What sign could we say, based on the age level that you indicated, we seem to see the opposite in many cities around the black communities around the country where that Generation X is the generation that's going to jail. 
So is there any form of an organization or an example of what you're saying based on them being uh, taken over the business leadership? I would say here in Oakland, uh, the majority of the people who actually make Black Wall Street uh, Oakland click and make it move are when well, I say 35 and younger. Okay, and they don't have the, they don't they don't have the hangups. They don't uh, quickly come to you know oh we can't do this because you know this is not a an African American historically based uh, region of the country. No, they go forth because now that they got the knowledge of the original Black Wall Street in their spirit, they say. Anything is possible. So what you have is the majority of the new black businesses that have been established in the Black Wall Street District, the majority, 99% of them, are young people, people who are under the age of 40. So uh, that's right. And, 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 and these, are, these, are not, these are not your, you know, Yale or Stanford-educated individuals. These are people mm -hmm. who say, here's an opportunity. Here's brothers and sisters actually creating something else for us to have a business, an enterprise. I'm going to open a restaurant. They do. I'm going to open up a barbershop. They do. I'm going to open up a, a haberdashery. They let do. Me so, yeah, let me Excuse me one moment, uh, Michael. I'm sorry, let me ask you, uh, is, do you see that same um, generation here in Chicago uh, that is going into business? I think percentage-wise, see, I never speak in absolutes. I, I've taught in the schools. I never speak in absolutes when it comes to young people. Because I do see exceptional young people out here. They are very exceptional young people out here. But the people who get the attention are the ones out here that are causing the most problem. They're the ones brought to the forefront of the media. If you look around, the percentage could be higher. The percentage is too low. I don't think they can take us all the way. But are there you still is a high about that? Are you still referring to the Generation X uh, up to 25? Under 25. Yes. Our, people, our, our young people pack up every spring and go away to college. Our people, our young people are in school. Yes, the percentage of people who are failing is too high. The percentage of people going to jail, yes, it is too high. But there is a percentage. They struggle. And, they, and because of the percentage of the other people in the way, they need to separate. Now, you know, I used to put them in all these schools somewhere. I'm sorry if some of you, if some of you all went out there. They used to well, separate because they're in the way of the other people. But we do well, have high achievers yeah. out here. Mm -hmm. We do. We do have a lot of them. But I don't. I don't think it's going to take more. That's why we're in this fight, and that's why we're going to. Well, let me uh, kind of take your perspective. To take us to the next level. Excuse me. I think Mike. I think you got some background there. But uh, oh, taking it I'm from a, a journalist's uh, point of view, as we report the news, and as the news came to us. Uh, we project based on the, the graphs and the demographics and the numbers that the, the future of black economics at the rate that it's going now, uh, it is pretty dismal. But hearing from you two, you uh, indicate that that is somewhat uh, pretty opposite in which the media is projecting with city planners for the future of black economics is that is a gap between what the media report and what people actually are doing? There is a gap between uh, the, the reality and, and, and what, what the media, and there's always been that, that, that gap. Um, and, and keep in mind, we're not talking about a whole a host of young people, you know, with, with an entrepreneurial spirit. Now, we have here an entrepreneur's program. 
where we, uh, we give scholarships to young people who vow to, once they get their degree, to come back to the community and work. And then also in that program we have people who decided to be uh, apprentice uh, and, and, you know, not necessarily go to a four-year college, but to, uh, to come back and establish a business. So if we set these things up for young people, they will come. If there's nothing there for them, don't expect anything from them. See, let me go to a, an me, example uh, with that comment of yours, Michael. Take uh, Harlem in New York. Uh, when you make the comment, if there's nothing there for them, they move on or go to another area. In mm -hmm. Harlem and New York, the businesses uh, representing there are basically uh, Mid-Easterns. So that means that the, the black youth, in New, in New York, Manhattan, uh, in the Harlem area, uh, will not be able to own the the black uh, or the own businesses in their community because of the present monopoly of the, the ones that's there. Does that mean that in order for that to happen, that the black youth need to go to another area of New York or another city? or do they need to replace those existing businesses in order to have a community that represents, a, a business community that represents that community of, of, of Harlem? You want to take that, Sonia, or you want, is that for me? I could take it. All right. I, 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 have two, I have two points. I want to go back to what you just said in talking about the Generation, generation X. There was a period of time. We moved away, and you and Michael discussed that, where they were getting affirmative action. People were saying, go to college, and we thought they meant uh, we go to college and get degrees, these degrees. There was really no training, liberal arts degrees. There's nothing wrong with painting and sewing and dancing and all of that, but we failed to be entrepreneurs. We failed to get trades and all those type of things that we thought they were talking to us, and they were not talking to us. So... We've stayed away from the language of the entrepreneurs, be the business owner, build your business, take over my business, and that type of thing. Now we're coming back to the language, and, and, that, and these generations were not hearing that. Now as we struggle and struggle and come back to that dialogue, start speaking that language again, start uh, trying it's to point them in that direction. It's too late for Harlem. It's too late for Harlem. That's the second part of my question. I'm going to get back to Harlem. Now that okay. we're starting this language again, I said the percentages are too low to get us over. We have to feed back and retrain it and do it again because we failed it. Okay. Go to the Harlem question, the question about Harlem. When were we ever, Ron, and you tell me, limited to a neighborhood? That's in our mentality. We can hold a business anywhere we want to. Why can't they? Right. Why can't he own? Why do they hold a business down? Again. A business on the north side, downtown, everywhere. They don't have to own it right on that particular block, right there. They can own a business of any kind, anywhere they wish. They're not limited. If we can do a Seventy uh, Fifth Street and it's an all-black district, that, that gives us strength. Yes, it does. But. Don't think the Chinese just own businesses in Chinatown or Koreas just own businesses where, where they own it. Right. This is my point of the other question. Other races don't just own businesses in their community. We could go worldwide. We can go anywhere on a business. Yeah, so it's my that question is, that. though. Right, but my yeah, question ahead. is, is it too late that own the 
and all the business. For example, uh, former President Bill is dealing a big so you know, in you break, Harlem, you break it up so much, Ron. I can't hear the question. Oh, really, I didn't I'm sure. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, because of this actual property, it's late in Harlem. In order for the black youth to own businesses in parity of their population, those other businesses have to. In order for that to happen. Did, did you hear well, me clearly? Well, out here, Ron, as, as I explained to you in the past, we have a uh, 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 a store called Ebony uh, Fashions, and then there's a, uh, a beauty shop, uh, beauty supply called Ebony Beauty Supply. The owners are Korean. We have Hispanic businesses right next door to black businesses in the Black Wall Street district. I could care less. How many blacks, how many whites, how many Asians, how many whatever are in a particular Black Wall Street district? That's not the focus here. The focus here is despite the current status of any area that you want, for example, Imperial Boulevard in San Diego, despite of whatever area you want to designate as a Black Wall Street district, in fact, the majority of our membership for Oakland Black Wall Street are people who live outside of the county of Alameda. But the the backbone, as it is with the Chinese, just like Sonia just said. These Chinese folks got business all over the Bay Area, but where do they bring their money? They bring their money to Chinatown, their herbs, their food, their clothes, Chinatown. You will not see a Chinese woman and her children in the shopping mall. You will not see it. They will be in Chinatown. You can you break it up, Ron. Ron. Ron, try it again. We're going to see if we can hear you, and then we're going to go take a short break if we can. Um, are you coming through, Ron? We can't hear you. I'm going to go to a break, and we'll see if we can solve this problem. Just give us one minute. We'll try it again, Ron. We'll be right back. You listen to Black Wall Street Chicago Speaks with our host, Ron Carter. And his guest, Michael Carter, Black Wall Street, USA. We'll be right back after this message.
we're back, and you're tuned in to Black Wall Street Chicago Speaks with Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago as the host. I'm Sonia Perdue. His guest is Michael Carter, president, Black Wall Street USA. And uh, that was Aretha Franklin. We in Chicago, we like stepping and we like the Dusties, and I think I'm showing that. <laughs> now, uh, everyone in Chicago, every one of you, uh, you're invited to Black Wall Street Chicago Summit to be held at Home and Square, located at 3333 West Arlington here in Chicago from 8.30 to 3.30 p.m. on Saturday, February 27th. Please contact Black Wall Street Chicago at 312-624-8351 for more information. And uh, I've also posted that information in the chat room from you, for you all in the chat room. You're free to call in. I don't know if that other caller scared you or not, but you're free to call in. 347-326-9477 is our number. And we just want to share a little information about one of our great nonprofit organizations that is working hard to assist the members of our community right here in Chicago. Black Wall Street Chicago and Chicago's Black Business Network.com supports the efforts of organizations like Partners in Community Building, Inc., as they contribute to building up our communities by enriching the lives of others. Partners in Community Building is a nonprofit organization, and there is no, pro there is no charge for their services. PICB is a HUD-certified counseling agency, and here are just a few of the services available to you in the Chicagoland area. Foreclosure prevention, there is no charge weatherization, and that program closes out in May, so you want to contact them very soon. CETA Energy Assistance and Furnace Program, Home Ownership Counseling is available, as well as Rental Assistance Referrals. Partners in Community Building is, lo building is located at 3424 South State Street in Chicago. And I want to just make a, a one comment about the HUD Certified Services. Fannie Mae has a program. People are being put out because their properties went into foreclosures, foreclosure, and the landlord was collecting rent, did not tell them, and then they get a notice there's going to be a sheriff's sale. They have to move. You need to contact Fannie Mae by phone. Do it on the net, however, however you do it. At FannieMae.com, you should be able to get the information. Fannie Mae will set up a lease for you, they will re-rent that property to you if it is going into foreclosure and then if it's going to a share sale. You can't wait to the last minute to do that. I wanted you to know. Please spread the word on that. For additional information to schedule an appointment, contact PICB at 312-328-0873, 312-328-0873 for all of your housing needs. We're going to go back. We have about 10 minutes left so that you all can close out the show. I'm sure both of you have some great closing remarks. Right. Well, let me, uh, first of all, uh, Michael, I know you're a minister now. Did you all step in uh, Oakland? Say that again. I know you're a minister now, but did you all <laughs> step in Oakland? Do we step? Uh-oh. If they don't, <laughs> <son. laughs> do you all step? What, dance? <laughs> yeah, they don't step, son. Yeah. No, they don't no, step. I, no, this, no, this is California. You know better than that, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right. No, you know right. better than that. <laughs> well, you ask that. Let, let, me, let, me just say, let me just say to both of you how, how happy I am that uh, you have hooked up. Um, you know, this is, this is a really serious issue 
and you really got to have a backbone to, to, to do this. And I thank God that he has selected my dirt, my vessel, my earth and ashes to be a tool uh, in this effort. This is not about me, and I tell everybody that. And Ron has heard me when he invited me out to speak two years in a row. Uh, he thought he was going to get a keynote address. I ended up preaching to those folks. Yeah. I, I think people that, received you very well. Yes, they did, and I tell you, Chicago, I love you, and um, I just I can't wait to get back there. Um, but here's what I want everyone who's listening to do: uh, first of all, you must live your lives uh, that it pleases God, and and what we're doing here is pleasing God because we're looking out for people who don't even, who aren't even aware of existence yet that we're building something for them, and so we must keep that in mind. So. I encourage everybody listening, if you're near your computer right now, go to blackwallstreet.org. That's blackwallstreet.org, and you'll find, I mean, there's so much content on Black Wall Street Chicago, uh, Black Wall Street Oakland, and what God has allowed to, to happen uh, here in a place that would normally happen in the South. See, this is not just happenstance that this is happening in Oakland. Oakland has a history. Uh, my cousin, Bobby Hutton, Little Bobby with the Black Panthers, this police shot him so many times until he twisted his body around. He wasn't wearing shoes, had no shirt on, but they killed him. And I remember very well. Yeah, I wasn't born yet, but my aunt Dolly May, my great aunt, told us that the only thing that got our family through that was Jesus. And so that spirit is what Tulsa was about. It was about uh, the spirit first. Remember now, Successful economies can operate in both an evil spirit and an unrighteous spirit, in a, in a righteous right, but spirit. Let me ask you this question here. There, I was speaking mm -hmm. to a prominent business person here in Chicago by the name of Elzie Higginbottom. He's a Hold real... A yes, yes, yes. Okay. I know it. And he made, he made the indication that one problem in the black community is that we have uh, preachers and social service uh, leaders running the economics, and that. You you breaking up? You disappearing again? Because I really want to hear that one. Maybe he'll maybe he'll come back with Mr. Carter. But well, one thing I, I'm going to say. Go I'm gonna say one thing. I'm gonna say while he's 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 adjusting that phone over there. He'll be back in a second. Is yeah. that uh, I haven't known Ron Carter that long. I'm saying this to you and to the audience. Ron has the right personality for this job. The job that you you guys have taken on. Now whether yeah. this uh, whether this man agrees with the way Ron approaches it or not. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ron has, I watched Ron work with his people. He has the right personality for it. Everyone right. can do what you do. Everyone can I'm be a leader. I'm back online. Are you back online? Oh, I was talking I'm about back you. online. You all talking about me? I'm going to conclude. Everyone can't do what Ron do. I've seen him work the room. You have to be a, you do have to be a backbone and all other kind of bones, too, to deal with these people out there and get to the next step, the next step, and the next step. And Ron right. has what it takes. I'm going to give it back to you, Ron. Go ahead. He didn't hear your question. 
Yeah, well, thanks. For, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, I forgot my question. People talking Big about me behind my back. <laughs> That's okay. Big and bottom. Big and bottom. Right. Now, he indicated that our problem was that uh, ministers and social services are leading the economics opposed to business people, black business people, as it relates to other uh, ethnic groups. Do you see that that's the case or not? Uh, well, I, I'm going to put it to you like this. Preachers ain't got no business dealing with economics. They have a hard enough time convincing people of Malachi 3.10, will a man rob God? Um, mm-hmm. First of all, now, my training is this, that Christ is not a materialistic messiah. He's not a, you know, a magic magician messiah. He's not a militaristic messiah. What he is, he's a spiritual messiah. And so, no, preachers have no business trying to stick their hands in economics when they can't even get their own members to pay time. Um, they got it backwards. And, and what it really boils down to is people trying to, uh, um, you know, narrow but the how gate. Can you, how, how can you make that type of insinuation uh, um, based on you, a minister, and the uh, chairman of Black Wall Street USA? Well, well, well first of all, I, but before this even uh, came about, uh, I had to take it, uh, again, I, I mentioned it earlier, I had to go out and get people who knew. See, that's the key here. I came at it from a spiritual standpoint, and that's the first step. The preachers mm-hmm. are not coming. Most folk preachers are not coming from a, a, a spiritual standpoint. Okay. They're coming from a power standpoint. Mm-hmm. For example, out here, the open, the open Chamber of Commerce, listen to me good. I went to um, a meeting and met the CEO of One United Bank out of Boston. And I told Kohi, his name at the time, I want to have a bank, black bank or in Black Wall Street in Oakland. He said, give me $25 million, we'll set up a branch, and we'll do faith-based banking and all of that. I got a call from Bob Jackson, who is over the Oakland Chamber of Commerce. He's the chairman now. Organization established after Black Wall Street was established. He called me and said, Reverend Carter, we need to uh, establish a chamber of commerce in Oakland. Oakland didn't have a Chamber of Commerce. I wasn't interested in establishing the Chamber of Commerce. And so he said, why don't you hold off on your campaign and bringing a black bank uh, to the area until we establish a chamber and have some Well, they established, they established the chamber, but nothing has come as a result. The Urban League left Oakland. The NAACP is really not effective. So what I had to do is go out and get people who knew business, MBAs, uh, people who knew the history. In fact, our executive director grew up in Black Wall Street, Durham, so she knew what this was all about. So I didn't go into it thinking, oh, I'm Mr. Grand Reverend Poobah, and I got the answers of people. I don't. So I had to get people, line them up, and every single person on average is at least 15, 20 years older than me because I knew off the bat I, didn't, I wasn't going to have the answer. That's how you gentlemen, do it. You have, you have two minutes, gentlemen. Well, with that in mind, um, uh, Michael, I mean, it's yes. definitely a, been an honor and an inspiration and using what you all have done in Oakland as a template here in Chicago. Uh, we want to uh, thank you for being a guest on Black Wall Street uh, Speaks. Again, yes. um, you have contributed to where we are here today. Um, 
And our last uh, minute or so, would you like to give a closing comment so that we can um, move on to to the work that we're going to be doing right now? For those out there in, in Chicago land, I want you to make it a point to go to East 75th Street, spend your money there, uh, leave your money there. Continue to go back there. Make it a point every week that you go there. Don't do it like they do out here, drive into Black Wall Street, get their Jesus and then drive back to the suburbs. Well, Bring your money between. We're doing Madison Street now. We're doing on Madison Street on Chicago. And Madison Street, right. right. So take your money. Take your money and support, support something that is really not about us. We've got to get that in our mind. This is not about us. This is about people that we will never, ever meet. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us, Michael Carter, President yes. Black Wall Street USA. We look to have you back again. Ron, Thanks. another great show. All right. And don't you get your cell phone next time. <laughs> I got you. I know it. <laughs> I know it. It's, it's, always, it's always a pleasure, though. We have, we have a good time here, Michael. And yes. uh, it's just going to grow and grow and grow. And uh, we, want, we certainly want to have you back again. Oh, I'd be delighted. Yeah, well, so thank you, you again, Michael, and and the listeners. Good night now. Okay. Good night. Good night. Everyone have a good, good evening. Good evening. We want to thank everyone for listening to Black Wall Street Chicago Speaks. Black Wall Street Chicago Speaks is on the air every Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Please don't hesitate to call in and be part of what we're doing. I'm Sonya Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network.com. CBBN on Blog Talk Radio airs every Tuesday evening, and that show is all about our all about our members. We look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you, each and every one, for joining us. Chat room next time. Call in. Thank you. Hello. Many miles and a little more you'll live. But how many times in your years to live you give?
Love, take on love and go with love. 